There's more to this than meets the eye. Is this the reason that you wish to remain incognito? No, of course not. What is your name? That's a very difficult question. Have you any means of identification? No, I've never needed any. Fortunate man. Just exactly who are you and what are you doing here? I'm afraid if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. I am the chief constable of this county and you, sir, are under suspicion of murder. I'm a time lord. A what? I told you. Try again. I, I travel in time and space. I have a time machine. You've read H.G. Wells? I know of him, of course, yes. He writes fiction. Lady Cranley, please help me. How can Lady Cranley help you? There's something terribly wrong here. Lady Cranley knows I showed her another dead body. What? Nash. I'm afraid, like Mr. Wells, the doctor has a vivid imagination. I showed you a body. In a cupboard, up there. You and the Indian. Indian? An Indian. With a lip. A... I give up. Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. Today we're talking about a classic Doctor Who episode, The Black Orchid. Written by Terence Dudley. Terence Dudley. Fifth Doctor. Fifth Doctor, 1980... Come on, take a guess. Two? Hey, you got one. I get a lot of them. I come close within like... Five or ten years. Yeah, something like that. Black Orchid, two-part episode. Um, Intro? Season 19. I am Ken. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> Julia. And uh, what was this one in the season? This one came after the visitation and before Earthshock. It was the third to last episode of season 19. It was episode, it was story number five. And you know why this was made? It just seems like a very filler filler episode, maybe. To make well, John it. Nathan Turner, well, that oh, didn't like six parters, so that's why we got the two parters. Yeah. Except, yeah, it's gonna be you know got this one, King's Demons and Awakening. Yeah, he just didn't like the six parters, which I don't blame. The six parters are long. Yeah, and, and more filler and monotonous stuff than. This has got to be one of the biggest filler episodes. It's also the last pure historical story. Yes. I don't really see what was so historical about it. I mean, it was only the 20s. Yeah, but it took place in the 20s. Well, the historical in Doctor Who frame is, is an episode that doesn't have any sci-fi elements to it. Gotcha. So if you think about it, Highlander... Was Highlander the last one in the original, you know, and then there was a huge gap, and then Black Orchid just happens to be the other yes. one out, I think. I think, yeah, Highlanders. I don't know if there's been any since in the new show, but, so the Black Orchid technically doesn't have any sci-fi elements to it. I mean, they use the TARDIS a few times, but it's not part of the story. There's no aliens, there's no monsters or robots. That's why it's considered a historical. Gotcha. And, you know, so that it's a, a little bit of an anomaly, but that's why people kind of look at it. Um, what'd you think of it? I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I, the, the Indian guy, was pretty dumb, holding the plate in his, whatever, he was holding it between his teeth, or whatever, even though no, that was the, the lip thing, that they it did. was not in his lip, he was talking, so that's what it was supposed to be, yeah, I know what it was supposed to be, but he was talking perfectly fine, and he's horrible at tying knots, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times so that, out, that guy got yeah. loose, and, 
It was like a really bad junior high school production of a bad Agatha Christie play. That's what it reminded me of. That's actually a pretty good description. Um, I like it. Yeah. I mean, how often do you see the Doctor and the TARDIS crew relaxing and enjoying themselves? For like, you know... Through 45 minutes. I, I, I enjoyed that part too a lot. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff in this. I, I thought the whole Doctor getting lost... And going, oh, you know, and, and really kind of like, you know, talking to the audience, basically saying, why do I do these things and get into trouble and stuff like that. I like how Adric's constantly eating and not thinking about, you know, the girls that are dancing in front of him. He's just kind of like, you know, you know I'd rather eat than you pig and stuff like that. And, and both Tegan and Issa said, having enough? Because yeah. <laughs> his plate was like filled and he's just wolfing it down. And, and I, I think it's a, a neat little break to have in the middle of a season where you have that happen. Um, See, I hadn't seen any of these characters, yeah. except for Peter Davison. I think I've only watched one other okay. series with him in it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know who they were. Yeah. Like, I've heard the names, yeah. but I don't, I've never seen an episode with them in it. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they would be so happy to just do the Charleston on a patio. <laughs> um, it was a little... I don't know. It just seemed like, even though it was only two episodes, there was a lot of filler stuff for me in there. It was just... I feel like this is almost like a day in the life of an episode, because you would think if you were traveling with a doctor, you had a lot of episodes like this where you would be able to enjoy, you go to the period, dress like the period, enjoy the time, and then leave. And I almost feel like if it, the worst part of this episode was the... the the Tommy and Tommy and all the, uh, and the other stuff. Yeah, and George being tied up. In. It was those weren't really that good, and I even thought the double the two this and Anne weren't that weren't handled that well either. So it was kind of like you know it was kind of refreshing to see that, but it was it's kind of like well, why? I mean, you know, yeah. we can imagine that's happening in between episodes, but when we actually see it. There has to be something, and there's so many moments in this episode that, are, in my opinion, were laugh out loud, but not supposed to be. Yeah. Like when <laughs> when George dies, I even oh. I was this when morning. His I was laughing. Goes, well done, George. <laughs> Don't hug me. Falls off the yeah. stuff. Germaphobe. Yeah. Falls off. The yeah, air. that was yeah. and them running up. The stairs, you know, it's the building's burning. Get out, get out, get out. And then he goes running back up the stairs with just a handkerchief over his face. I'm like, come on. Yeah. And so well, he's got, the, you know, respiratory bypass and all that. Yeah. And the other guy climbing up the walls and through the window. And I don't know. It was just the, what really got me was the fact that this woman had kept her son, who was all disfigured from whatever, the Indians tortured him? They tortured him because he, he Because he picked the black orchid or... He stole it. Stole the black orchid. Um, she kept, kept him locked up in the attic for six years, and her husband was like, how could you? Oh, it's okay, dear. What? No. I, I mean, <laughs> come on. They, they, and they kept it from Anne, who was supposed to marry him. But yet the brother, <laughs> the brother was a quick mover and moved right in. Yeah. And well, did the brother know too, or was it just the mother? I think so. He was. He, didn't he say like you got to tell her? Tell I, he, I, he, yeah, he must have known. Yeah, he, he was just like, yeah, now I can move in on Anne. 
<laughs> my brother's out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it was really, I mean, it was, that was just really completely unbelievable. There's, um, all, the whole segment where they decide to convince the police of what's going on, they bring them in the TARDIS, that was really awkward, because that's one of my things I don't like about the classic show when it, when it does stuff like this. Sure, they're standing around the TARDIS room going, oh, but it, the guy that comes in and goes, what does he say, strike me pink or whatever? It's like, yeah, just give right. us the report. And he's like, okay, here he is, and that's it. He's not, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, oh, oh wow, okay. You know, and it yeah. should be like, you know, or more of a reaction, but... Um, I thought, and then yeah. they were traveling like they were regular companions after that, you know, like, oh, you can get us there quicker, great, you know, just a lot of, I thought that was the most awkward part of the whole script, it was kind of like they couldn't figure out how to get them. It verged on slapstick, Yeah. that part, I thought, you know. I do like how the doctor spent a good amount of time trying to explain his way out of it. And every time he did it, he just sounded worse and worse. Like, well, it was an Indian with the lip. And he's like, and people are looking at him, and he comes up with something else. And he finally says, I'm a Time Lord. Then he goes to show them the TARDIS, and it's not there. The body it's, wasn't there. The body wasn't there. So it's like, it's maybe that's your slapstick you're talking about, but it was kind of like a, a neat little... I, I like the humor in this episode. I thought there was more humor in this. And I thought it, you didn't like humor in Doctor Who. I, you're right. <laughs> but I thought it was... Maybe I'm being hypocritical. It's okay in old Who, but it's not okay in new Who. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I, I liked how Peter Davison was really sarcastic in this one. Especially when he was dealing with Lady Cranley, when he was trying to prove his innocence. He's like, all, you know, being all sarcastic and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, roll his eyes, he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know what the... The humor just seemed kind of like... It seemed more natural, but... As long as it doesn't happen all the time, I think that's why there's an episode, uh, the Romans from the first Doctor, who is it's it's also humorous, and I enjoyed that one. But as long as it doesn't happen in every episode, maybe that's my argument. <laughs> that's your excuse. Yeah, that's it. The um... <laughs> gonna have to edit that. Yeah, hey, that's why I looked at the time. I said I gotta edit at nine twenty-seven. Um, there's a scene where the two uh, Adric and Nisa are watching cricket, right? And Adric has an expression on his face of like, and then that's my expression when it comes <laughs> to cricket because I have no idea what's going on. I still don't. I don't either. Um, you know, you watch that episode and you go, well, can I figure that out from the episode? No. No. <laughs> Um, Anthony Anley was at a convention one time, and he took all the people in his panel, and we went out to a, a lobby area, and he proceeded to teach us cricket, and he ended up hitting the ball in the middle of this lobby of this hotel and shattering some <laughs> lamps that are on the side of the wall. Was this in Chicago? Uh, I was in uh, Ohio. It was Cleveland. That was the, the one that there was a big hurricane that ravaged the United States and they were supposed to have a hundred guests and they end up with only two a couple Terry Nation and um Anthony Anley it was Rob and I. So um and we and I still couldn't figure out I'm like watching him and, and I'm like, okay, I don't get it, but that's you know I don't understand cricket. Yeah. But it was neat to see, you know, considering 
he's got all the cricket gear. They have they would have an episode with him playing cricket at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I like that relaxing element of the uh, uh, episode. I don't like the two Nissa and Anne because they try to make them. Obviously, they're the same actress, but they acted and talked very much very similar. And there should have been a little bit of a difference between the two. And when they were together, how do you do? How do you do? It's like why can't they say something different? It, it just felt like I don't know why they were making them so similar when they were supposed to be very different people. And even they they danced the same way. It's like, well, when, when did Nissa pick up on the dancing? Did they teach her how to do that? And I guess that makes sense, but... So, um... I didn't like that. They, I think that technically they did a really good job with it, though. Because you didn't... You couldn't see, like, a halo or, like, a split, whatever, yeah. however they did it back then. You couldn't really tell. I mean, besides the fact that it was the same person. You might have thought, oh, well, maybe they're just identical twins. Yeah. And they have, um, they, they got people, they got two people that, they got a stunt double that was the same size. A lot of times you see this type of thing, and when they see the back of the person's head, it's like, well, that person's about three inches taller. <laughs> <laughs> they got someone that looked a lot like her, or from the back anyways, because we saw a few of those shots. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, no, you go ahead. No, I, I'm... You're done. No, I'm, I'm trying to remember something. I thought it was funny when they're ordering drinks. And Tegan says, I have a screwdriver. And Nissa goes, I'll have the same. And the daughter's like, well, um, uh, and orange, orange juice for the kids. Yeah, for the <laughs> children. And it's like, how old is Nissa supposed to be? I guess she's younger. Yeah. Like 16 or 15. Or I think that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Like in late teenage years. So who are Adric and Nissa? Where do they come from? Adric is um, from the future. He is... Uh, E-Space. Oh, uh, E-Space. So they're different like a uni different universe, and um, a colony ship had crashed and had lived. they had lived on the planet for many, many years, and he was just one of the surviving colonists, and he stole away down the TARDIS at the end of the episode that he was in, from Tom Baker. Tegan, uh, you saw her in her outfit. She's a stewardess who, for some reason, will never, I don't know why, she did eventually, but for some reason she kept wearing the stewardess outfit, which was horrible, but... She was, um, in an episode, uh, she was on her way to the airport because she has a real job as a, as a, um, <laughs> as, as auntie. And she never made it. And, uh, she ran into the TARDIS to call the police and... Because her aunt's vehicle had gotten a flat tire. Yeah. And the spare was flat, too. Gotcha. And Nissa is from a planet where, um... From the planet of Trocken. Yeah. And the master was involved, and later on, Trocken is destroyed. And she's very analytical. She's, yeah, she's a, a scientist, so she's very smart, and has a lot of conversation with the doctor. She seems to know a lot what goes on and stuff like that. Whereas Tegan is more of a normal person, and Adric's sort of a simpleton. But well, no, he's a mathematician. Oh yeah, yes. who likes to eat a lot. Yeah, doesn't really use his math skills too much, except maybe in one one episode, but maybe two. But you know, that was this was another story of classic example of too many companions where they just push one to the side yeah. to like eat. That's and what his, did, Yeah, they just I always thought you know I don't know why Jonathan Nathan Turner decided yeah we need to have three companions. It just didn't really. Yeah, it was really tough and. 
I mean, they all have their moments, but there's always that one companion that gets pushed aside. So. I thought they did pretty good in this. Um, uh, this episode, I, I got hit in the head because of this episode. <laughs> you know the story, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Janet Fielding. Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> at conventions, is always at, at, these people are always asked the same questions over and over again. And one of the Janet Fielding played Tegan, and one of the questions she always is asked is. In an episode, she's taken over by this creature, and she turns into this creature, and she's, she's talking in the voice of the creature, and she has this laugh, and people always ask her, can you do the Mara laugh? And she hates it. She, she's, if you ever listen to the commentary with Janet Fielding, they, she Especially with Peter rips into these episodes. She really you know, is not <laughs> fond of them, but knows that she needs to get money from them and stuff. But, so she always would call up a person from the audience and hit them in the head with her Mara stick. She called it the Mara stick, yeah. I don't know. Because she didn't want to hear, she never, everyone, and one of the other questions that was, I was at a convention one time and someone asked that question and she, they got hit in the head and I said, I thought there was another question that she she wanted, she always wanted to hit people in the head. Someone told me she, uh, to, to, to do the Charleston dance. So I raised my hand, I said, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Could you do the Charlton da Charleston dance? And she says, you know, come up here for a second and then hit me in the head. So, <laughs> which I knew was expecting, but, you know, it was kind of a thrill to do that. <laughs> Until I did it 15 more times and then they called the police. <laughs> but, uh, I thought this was a fun episode. There was a lot of problems with it. The acting of, of Latomi there. The but who... Lights a door on fire to escape a bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I, that's, I mean, the guy always, was obviously completely screwed up, that, you know, physically and mentally. But that always got me about this episode. I'm looking. He's got the bed. He's got the you know the ta the table and chairs that he could smash against. Against it, but no. I know. I'm going to stick a bunch of newspaper on there, take the matches, and light it on fire. I don't know. Would that even work? I mean. You'd think like you'd get smoked out first. Yeah. Lose just, consciousness. Unless he had, like... Well, he was crazy, so... He was. Ten weeks of newspapers or something. <laughs> it did go up pretty quickly. It must have been a very dry door. Yeah. Unless he had some... Maybe he put some uh, uh, oil or something. Uh, uh, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> they cut that, you know. Yeah, the acting was really bad. Yeah. By... Pretty much everybody. I like the waiter or whatever. He runs across the room with the tray, puts it down, makes sure it doesn't drop to go save. And, and it's, <laughs> he's like, okay, should have like, oh my god, and dropped it and tried to save her first. But it's a lot of, a lot of little things that kind of were funny that shouldn't have been funny. But overall, I thought this was kind of a fun episode. It's just kind of pointless. There's not much to yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like, you know... A nice filler for the season. You don't have to think hard about it. Just you know, it's kind of a fun story. At least I think so. Yeah. I didn't care for it that much. I mean, I didn't loathe it the way I have really hated some other ones. Well, it's better than Sleep No More, so that's usually the barometer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta find the worst. Uh, well, worst episode that we can all agree on. It's one of the worst episodes. In Love and Monsters. Oh, that one's horrible. <clears throat> Uh, okay, thanks for listening.